This is the John Oakley Show podcast. As we move forward, I think these are all topics worthy of discussion. Topics worthy of discussion. All right, let's get started. It's the panel part of the program's topics worthy of discussion for Pizzaville. Dial pound 3636. Thursday's panel, Stephen Holliday joined us before we got to the panel, so uh, we'll just park him aside. And uh, we've got Peter Sherman joining us, broadcaster, businessman, and former conservative MPP. How's Peter? Oh, it's mano a mano. I'm, I'm uh, in quarantine in my uh, apartment in, uh, in Toronto, <laughs> so what are you going to do? Well, wait a minute. So you drove up from Florida? Did you drive or fly? No, we drove up from Florida because uh, had to close up the place and uh, bring Carol home and uh, all the things that you had down there for a season. And uh, so we had quite a we had quite a ride over the course of last weekend. Oh, it was last weekend. I was going to say uh, just how dire were things. Did you come through New York State? We didn't. We just touched the corner as we uh, crossed Buffalo. But I can tell you, it's it's really something when you stay in a Marriott hotel that's thirteen stories high with twenty five uh, rooms on each, and you can do the math on that. And you're one of the eight rooms that are occupied, and there's one kid manning the desk, and he says, "I'm sorry, I have no valet parking." And I say, "Where should I park?" And he says, "Anywhere you want." And uh, you know, all your food's in the cooler because you can't go anywhere to get food, and you don't want to. No, not, certainly not in New York State. All right, uh, good to have you back, Peter. Joining us and rounding out the panel, David Wills, Senior VP of Media Profile. That's a leading Toronto public relations agency. How's David? Self-isolation, distancing, all the rest? Yep, doing all of that, and I'm also uh, pleased to have uh, Peter back in Toronto. Uh, from what we saw in the news, Florida looked a little out of control last week, and uh, so I'm happy that he's out of there. I saw it in person, i got to tell you. I saw the kids on the beaches. And I said to myself, man, they're going home to hug Grandpa. Can you believe this? I know. Yeah. Uh, and then you look at New York State, New York City alone. I, I think New York State is responsible for 50% of the infections in the USA. I mean, it's un- I don't know if this is even manageable. They've got 4,000 people in uh, ICU units in their hospitals. There's a, a hospital, I think it's in Queens, uh, and if, if you know where Elmhurst, New York is, which is one of the boroughs, in one of the boroughs, I think it's Queens, um, it's a fairly substantial hospital and, and designated as a mainstream emergency uh, placement center for people who have COVID. They're completely overloaded. They don't have supplies. They don't have tests. They don't have anything. But here's what they do have, and, and this tells it all. They rented a refrigerated 18-wheeler, saw a picture of it. It's in the emergency room parking lot, and they asked the head of emergency uh, what it's doing there, and she said, we have nowhere to put the bodies. And so they're going into that truck. Well, in Madrid, Spain, they're using uh, an ice hockey rink as a morgue, a temporary morgue. It's gotten so bad, Spain has now eclipsed even China. I guess uh, Italy is the only... uh, that's the epicenter, basically, but Spain's number two on the list. I uh, hate to be this morbid, but let me ask you just quickly. I mean, the Quarantine Act uh, came into effect yesterday. Uh, Peter, maybe you can speak to that as well. I mean, its application is to ensure social distancing. Is it going to be adequate? I mean, uh, you may be the one conscientious or, you know, a conscientious type, but uh, do you think other people are going to really pay strict attention to 14 days staying isolated? I know just personally, and this says nothing other than the people I know are reasonable people, I hope, uh, half a dozen who uh, came up, maybe more, maybe eight, 
and they have all taken to this to heart and they have quarantined and we've been talking to each other in quarantine and if the quarantine act doesn't work i think we ought to get really tough look uh, i'm a guy who lived through the war measures act which was declared by this guy's dad uh, when he had a couple of terrorist cells that that killed a cabinet minister and kidnapped a British diplomat in Montreal. And that's all. It wasn't nationwide. It wasn't worldwide. And he declared the War Measures Act. For God's sakes, the Quarantine Act is uh, a walk in the park compared to that. And I was reading about uh, Israel. Israel is using technology. We have access to it if we want it. And it can clock you uh, as to your whereabouts by pinging your cell phone. And if you're out of quarantine, they catch you and they know where to get you. And if you're with, uh, if I'm with you and you're supposed to be in quarantine, they can put us together by our cell phones and they're using it and you may say draconian and you may say fascist i say good move well all right over to david wills is it in fact i mean we can't even keep people out of city parks and the rest of these after uh, yesterday the mayor announced that they're off limits 1500 city parks yeah i don't know that we've got adequate compliance officers or resources uh what do you do with people who are in breach of these ordinances david well, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm probably going on a, a similar line that Peter's taking is that, uh, you know, if people won't do it voluntarily, then they have to be voluntold. Um, you know, I was out of the country. I got back two weeks ago, and you know, we're hearing all these messages that there was all this screening happening in airports, and it wasn't true. You know, there was one question on a touch screen where hundreds of people had touched that screen before I touched that screen. That was it. There was no message over the loudspeaker. There was no signs. There was no person saying anything. Uh, the terminal was crowded. And even at customs, they just said, where are you coming from? And I told them, and they said, thank you. And I went and got my bag and went home. And then we heard on the radio that we should stay home, so we have. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think that now, you know, that when you're a little slow on those things, you got to catch up in a hurry. And I think some of the things Peter are talking about the government may leave the government with no choice because if you're going to be serious about it and people aren't doing it on their own, like the pictures of people playing soccer in the parks and things is infuriating. And yet there's this public perception in certain quarters that this is all overreaction and too extreme. And in fact, we ought to start uh, relaxing some of those rules of isolation and, you know, maybe a uh, piecemeal by demographic or certain sectors in the economy or uh, even regions which say suffered low impact or none whatsoever yet uh, let people get back to work in a sense of normalcy I mean how do we strike the proper balance and at what time Peter this is called playing with fire I I defer and and I've got to say this I'm not a, as you know I'm not an anti-trumper but I'm not a thumper either uh, and I've I've watched how he's behaved himself I I love the way uh, he managed the economy uh, for all that it was worth when you take a look at where it is today but in terms of getting up every day and talking about social distancing while you stand on a crowded platform with uh, eight or ten of your colleagues who are probably better uh, assigned going out and doing the work and then being praised by uh, by pants that doesn't uh, speak to uh, example. So, uh, so if you're if you're going to do that, and then you're going to say maybe we're going to get back and and have Easter together in church, uh, and maybe this is going to be shorter than you thought. I, I, I say to myself, you know, if people think that that's okay, and I know people down in the states who think that's okay and they believe it, I think that's a bad thing. I can tell you on a personal level, I may be by law or, or at least by by moral suasion uh, in my apartment and uh, and living strictly with my wife with no visitors in, no visitors out. I may be doing that, but I'm going to be staying here. 
uh, after it's over. And and if you don't think I want to hug my son, for example, and see some great friends, you'd be wrong. I think everybody wants to do that. But when the scientists talk, I listen. Uh, David Wells, how do you feel about the orange devil? Well, <laughs> the, I, I think he's absolutely dangerous. Uh, I think he's reckless. Like this, this thing of, oh, wouldn't it be great to see the churches crowded on Easter? That is a scientist's worst nightmare. And, you know, the, the most flippant comment I heard is, oh, yeah, we'll do this. We'll, we'll lift it on Easter, but it means we're giving up grandma for Lent. And I don't think that that is a – any reasonable human being should be entertaining those thoughts. And if we are, in fact, overreacting, there is no downside to that. The underreacting is where the big downside is. And I think that that's what's happened. And we've seen places in the world where it's gotten away from us. It's because they flinched and they didn't act. If, the, if we're social distancing for longer than we should or longer than we needed to, good. The, you, know, the, you know, I want Peter to be healthy. I want you to be healthy. I want me to be healthy and my kids to be healthy. And that should be the number one priority. And for Donald Trump, he thinks that it's, you know, he talks about his reelection chances and that it's more important to get the stock market back up. And, you know, that's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Listen to this, John. Well, this is David Wills who's, who's saying to Peter Sherman that uh, he, he mostly agrees. We're definitely pre-apocalypse. <laughs> Look, well, you, all right. the locusts. Yeah. <laughs> We've already got pestilence, so uh, war and famine are soon to follow. No, we the key is that run uh, red yesterday, right? So you saw that. It's end times. We're living in end times. But you know, uh, to a point, if I can, uh, you know, there's a mindset that says, and it was Larry Kudlow, Trump's point guy on economic matters, that public health is economic health, and they're saying there are consequences too uh, for people being shut in for so long and seeing their businesses decimated after 30 or 40 years building something up and it's poof gone overnight. I mean, how do we weigh that in the balance here, David? Well, you know, I, there's a bunch of things there. I, th I think people paint that uh, apocalyptic picture. Um, you know, we're always told that we should personally be saving uh, to have enough that we can get by for a couple of months in case it's a rainy day. It's now raining. And I think a lot of these businesses, and I really feel for the small businesses because I think they work pretty hard, um, but you should, you should be able to carry on for a certain amount of time, and then I think there's certain government programs that can do it. What infuriates me is when I see things like the airlines saying they need $50 billion, and in the last couple of years they've spent $48 billion buying their own stock. They did not save for a rainy day. They did not uh, do any planning whatsoever so that when the good times maybe hit a, a bump that they could survive it. And that's what's really frustrating when you have these economic arguments is that there are some businesses that should and deserve to be to be helped, and then there's others who don't deserve to be helped. Uh, Peter, I know you wanted to weigh in on that, so quickly if you can. Well, it's, it's, it's kind of like, uh, I wish I could say that this was an original thought, but it was one that I heard somebody I, on some television panel say, and, and I thought it was great. Um, my parents' generation, uh, I take my dad, who, who grew up uh, a, a loyal German and suddenly found out that they didn't want uh, people of his background, and he lost his parents, and I'm not going to go through that story again. The point is, he packed up, and he went somewhere else, and uh, uh, if, if uh, he were anybody else, if he were a Canadian living here at the time, he would have been told to pick up a gun and uh, get on a ship and uh, hopefully get across the ocean and, uh, and fight. I got told to sit on a couch for a couple of weeks. 
uh, which is worse. So, yeah, there's some economic fallout. And there is uh, a, a mechanism. There are a number of mechanisms in governments the world over, but certainly in ours, to try to get people through some of these times. But uh, without trying to make light of it, I mean, there are businesses who went out, uh, out of business because they're building a, a damn LRT on Eglinton. There's always a reason for a business to suffer. And, and this is unfortunate, and we can't afford what, what's going on. But can we afford to start losing lives? And I don't want to sound like, you know, I'm, I'm uh, suddenly becoming a progressive and singing Kumbaya, but lives always trump money, no uh, pun intended. And we have to see t- to it that the, the coast is clear before we start uh, saying it's okay to get outside and all the businesses will open up and won't it be grand. And then we get a, a complete relapse of this thing and, and uh, a multiplication of cases. I, I, I don't think we can weigh the, the money part against the, uh, the health part. I think that there's a way to save some of the businesses. They're not all going to make it. Well, that leads to the question of whether or not, you know, when the government here federally says $107 billion is the package, 50% of which is tax deferrals, uh, and we've seen provincially Doug Ford up the anti-17 billion and uh, much of that towards health care, which is understandable. It's a two-pronged approach, really. It's about health. It's also about the economy and saving these businesses. Question, though, is on both fronts, is that enough? Is that adequate? Could we stand to see it go, uh, you know, when the government says a deficit in this year in Ontario, $20.5 billion, could you see that going significantly higher? And federally, the bailout package, could it go, as some economists are projecting, to $200 billion plus, David Wills? I, I think that we are seeing this as a, a first step. Um, you know, when I look at what the, the province did yesterday, you know, a significant portion of that $17 billion is tax deferral. So that is money that will come later on. They're just delaying the the receipt of of those tax payments. And that's a very good, it's a good thing. It's a, it's a big help. But I think what we're going to start seeing is how do we get supports directly to people? Uh, I think one of the, the lessons learned from 2008, 2009 with the financial crisis was that they, they backstopped financial companies. And the whole promise there was that it would trickle down and they would lend money out into the uh, into the economy uh, and lift everybody up. And guess what? It didn't happen. Uh, so I think this time they're looking at it's a different it's a different crisis, obviously. But is how do we get money directly in the hands of people? And those people will spend it. They have to go out and they have to buy food. They need supplies, even if they're being isolated. So that is part of it that's going to keep the economy going. But I think the governments are looking at what can we do right now, and that's what the province did yesterday. That's what the feds did the day before. And I think we're going to see more of this as the story unfolds because we don't know how long this is going to go. Rents are due on uh, on the first of the month. Are we going to see something there? I suspect yes. Um, So I think we have to brace ourselves that the the governments are going to have to step up, and I think that both the, the province of Ontario and the federal government have indicated that they will. And we're going to need. Uh, yeah, hang uh, on. Just sorry, I was just going to say we're going to need more than uh, more cash than than uh, what's been allocated, as David points out. But can I point out that a tax deferral is only useful if you have taxes to pay? Amen. Now uh, I did want to back 
up just a little bit, David, because, you know, when you were critical of the airlines for not having a rainy day fund, but in fact squandering it and buying back stock, you know, some people have actually uh, criticized or indicted folks who can't make the rent or uh, even pay the bills or their credit cards and are complaining about the rates because uh, they didn't sock in for the rainy day. I don't know if that's a fair critique or not, but let's come back and talk about those items because uh, you did mention rent uh, is coming due April 1 and whether or not something would be done on that front, should it? Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.